Welcome to the BioCharisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. This week we have Govinda. I've known Govinda for close to five years now. He's been, he started off as a client and now has become a friend. And I wanted to have him on the podcast as we explore questions around consciousness. Um, I've had a bunch of interactions in the last month that uh, bring up the question of what is consciousness? What is sentience? And I wanted to go back to somewhat of my Eastern roots with Vedanta Advaita, which is the path of non-duality, and explore that with somebody that has devoted his life to it. Uh, the majority of what I've been building in Costa Rica is for his center. And so getting to see this man's integrity and see how he's devoted himself means a lot. It carries a lot of weight with me. So I thought you guys would enjoy our conversation. Um, please check him out. I, you know, in all honesty, I don't even know where to. Uh, he says in the body of the of the interview that he hasn't started posting anything online yet. So um, I keep you posted when he does start to release some of his work. But uh, enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the flip side. Well, Govinda, welcome to the Bio Charisma Podcast. Bio Charisma Podcast, yes. Once again, <laughs> mm-hmm. this time we don't have so much rain. The last time you you should have heard the audio, the rain just drowned it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quiet tonight. Yes, it is. We have the nice climate control room. Just have a few little esperanzas in the background. It's very nice. Perfect. So I, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because of your devotion and knowledge of Vedanta Advaita, mm-hmm. the path of non-duality. Um, I don't know if you've heard the podcast, but I've had a bunch of different people from all different walks of life. And the main, re- the main thrust of the podcast is to expose people to alternative ways of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know Vedanta Advaita, which is the path of non-duality, is about as non-traditional, at least from the Western mindset, as you can get. So why don't you just give the audience a little bit of a background of, of where you came from and how you got to the place that you're at? Wow. Okay. So in this lifetime, <laughs> in this lifetime, I had... Um, I had a, a very big awakening when I was 19 mm-hmm. that was happening at the same time when I was learning to cultivate and channel my sexual energy instead of dissipating it. Mm-hmm. So that was a big thing. And, and then I started to read spiritual books, first from Osho and then all kinds of different Indian masters. And the ones that really struck me the most were Ramana Maharshi mm-hmm. and Nisargadatta Maharaj, mm-hmm. which are actually considered uh, more in the side of Advaita Vedanta. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I was really uh, attracted to their very direct teaching. It's it's skipping all the s- superfluous aspects mm-hmm. of the spiritual journey 
and going to the core, right? To the essence of it. Mm-hmm. It, it was matching my drive, my inner drive at the moment, which was to really connect, to go straight to the core and to, and from there we'll see, but to reconnect to the core of, of, of it, to, to the essence, to pure consciousness. And their teaching was Ramana Maharshi is basically uh, Atma Vichara, who am I, mm-hmm. inquiring into the source of I. And Nisargadatta Maharaj was saying in his own way similar things of finding the I am. The I am. Where is the I am? How do you know that you are? Mm-hmm. And for me, this, this really struck me and it took all my... It took a lot of my attention and I was at that time when I read them practicing Vipassana meditation, mm-hmm. which was training the attention presence to scan through the subtle sensations throughout the body, refining the minds and letting go of the gross sensations and the attachment to external stimulation. And I suddenly was able to feel the I am Mm -hmm. that Nisargadatta talked about in my chest. Mm-hmm. And that Ramana Maharshi was talking about also a subtle vibration in the chest that that's when you ask yourself, who am I? That's the only thing that's going to be shown to you, basically, um, until it is transcended. But at first, this I am. And I was 21 when I settled in this vibration, I am, in my chest, in my heart. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I, I knew that this was going... That first, I was very free at that point from the mind mm-hmm. and the world, which is the same thing. Yes. But still, I mean, there was still parts of my being, my human self, that were not in complete flow, that were still in resistance, in triggers and things like this. But my center... Mm-hmm my core was deeply at at peace, was in the ocean of beyond movement, beyond in, yeah, beyond sounds, Mm -hmm. just very deep silence. So that was, then, you know, I had a journey within this space of contemplating the vibration I am and this consciousness that is freed from being sucked into other other trips I was going through life right first as a student because this happened when I was in a business school and then as a as a young adult starting to earn a living working relationships of different kinds mm-hmm. travels discovering different places but from, from the beginning, I knew I want to hold space for this form of transformation or activation, mm-hmm. the, the spiritual awakening, liberation from the mind, from ego consciousness, from the pollution of society, basically, mm-hmm. conditioning from society, from parents, etc. So the cleansing of all that so that people can becoming more to into a state of rawness, closer to their essence. Mm -hmm. 
so I knew that, but yeah, I was first learning to make money and then traveling and learning different places, different ideas, different inspirations. So that was in the external world, but in the inner world, I was very focused on this I am. I am for 12 years. And then after 12 years, I had a very big shift in which this I am that was vibrating in my chest really completely dissolved. I, had, I went through a very profound like shift of en in energy in, in an intensification that culminated into a some kind of dissolution in my heart and in my body and from that point it's different mm -hmm. it's different but it's it's um i would say my consciousness has been freed from the i am and mm. and also is is now holding space for more refined frequencies that i would call light or kundalini kundalini for me was already my experience but since the dissolution of the i am the experience of kundalini is very much more uh, high vibrational refined and and pushing through other realms of yeah, other frequencies, I would say, other mm -hmm. realms of perception, um, extrasensorial perception. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the story. And then, so there, there's a lot of philosophical questions to get into for for the audience let's define what consciousness actually means because we have things like awareness consciousness sentience mm -hmm. and kundalini these are terms that okay yes well i use i like to use consciousness in a way that's very close to awareness if not the same for me it's it's the principle that perceives Right. It's the container of any experience. Mm -hmm. So for any experience to arise, there needs to be something that perceives it. Mm -hmm. If there is no perception, then there is no experience. Right. So it's the, the, it's the principle that contains, or and, and yes, that holds perception. Mm -hmm. And... And all perceptions are vibrations. Mm -hmm. Even the sen sensual, sensual perceptions are actually vibrations that are going through some forms of interpretation by the brain to give them a, a form and a shape and a meaning. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, they are just, at, the, at their essence, they are just vibrations. Mm -hmm. So there are all forms, all kinds, like a soup of vibrations of all kinds. And then there is a principle that perceives that and that's awareness that's consciousness mm -hmm. in my way of using words and you talked also about kundalini kundalini is a is a word that refers to en energy mm -hmm. and everything again if everything is vibration everything is energy everything that's perceived mm -hmm. everything within the realm of perception is energy but Kundalini refers to 
a specific form of energy that is uh, within the the body, within the individual bodies, mm-hmm. and that goes through different states of activation, different that activates different aspects of itself, different frequencies mm-hmm. as it as it rises within the the bodies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, the Kundalini is the manifestation of a potential that is first dormant when the individual is uh, focused on more gross sensations and, and more gross experiences such as survival and, and fighting for survival, instinctual drives, pleasure, these are exper- and and just the senses like the seeing and hearing and tasting this is a, a realm of experience that is usual for human beings and and animals um, that people can understand and agree to and this is typically the the the, the sta- state in which the what we call the kundalini energy is dormant it mm-hmm. it is in its potential potentiality mm-hmm. it is there but it's not it's not alive it's not fully activated it's not revealed consciousness is too gross it's too preoccupied and interested and absorbed into very dense gross frequencies mm-hmm. and therefore experiences which makes the kundalini frozen mm-hmm. And so there is a process through which the consciousness shifts and, and, and transcends these, these realms of experience of survival and instinct and pleasure and, and power dynamics. And then explore new realms, new vibrations. And as, as this happens, there is a whole flow of energy that rises within the body, mind and soul and that reveals a, a new dimension of self mm-hmm. and it reveals and it inhabits it makes it vibrate it makes it like an, an, another dimension of the individual gets revealed so the, the principle that reveals these new dimensions of the individual experience is called kundalini mm-hmm. it's it's the energy the the, the potentiality of consciousness uh, embodied in as an individual mm-hmm. and what other words you mentioned sentience ah sentience I'm, I'm not using that one um, yeah I, I, I hear the word senses right it's like mm-hmm. the, the perception of senses or through the senses or the ability to to I don't know what's the exact definition but that's from Yes, what would you say? If you're going to talk to somebody that was into cybernetics or somebody that was really like looking at what's first, you know, it, it, it's sentience begets consciousness. So for something to be sentient, it, 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 is, it, it, it is, it's like the I am before there's awareness. Yeah, but that's always the question, like according to... To the Vedas and most Taoist Taoist books and most traditions, there is actually first 
consciousness or it's not even con it's not conscious of something it's just the it just the, is it's, it's yeah it's it is and there is no experience in that isness it's an absolute an absolute principle that's that is able to perceive anything right it's before any perception arises there is the ability to perceive there is this huge it's not even huge it's it's like it's not even space even mm. but it's it's the potential to witness something so it is the the one that will witness when something arises right so it can there cannot be something that arises before the one that can witness something arising is there mm -hmm. it's not it's not the thing that arises that creates the one that will perceive it that's what i'm saying here right the one that will perceive what arises is always there even when there is nothing to perceive when when you are in deep sleep there is there is no perception there is no sentience there is nothing but the one that perceives is is there it's just not perceiving anything the way i look at sentience then a better way of saying it and this is just my interpretation of it because i was a student of raman maharshi also for a while <laughs> And I lived in the ashram, Atma Vichara ashram. And the, the whole question became one of continuity. To me, sentience is continuity. Okay. Because even when I'm not aware of something, as when, when the observer arises, the observed is seen, that, that whole notion. But there is, there's still an aspect of the I am, there's still an aspect of me that is aware of something, quote unquote, that was prior, which is the continuity. So this is like the deepest of all philosophical questions. Uh -huh. It's like, even you don't need to have a succession of like every interval being accounted for, but there is this I, there or you know, the big eye, <laughs> mm -hmm. that regardless of your, you know, fallibility of memory, whatever trauma states the body goes through that doesn't recollect, there is always a continuity. No mm -hmm. matter what, there is a continuity. So sentience is the continuity or the awareness of that continuity? So sentience is the continuity. So it's like the self, right? Yes. The higher self. The big S, the big self. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, di I didn't know that word. I was not using or familiar with any teacher using that word. The reason why it's really prevalent in my consciousness now is because people are all like going crazy over what they consider AI to be. Mm -hmm. Like, is AI conscious? Mm -hmm. Is it sentient? And my wife and I have these wonderful philosophical discussions because from my perspective, from my limited knowledge of that world, I don't, I don't use any artificial intelligence knowingly. <laughs> so I, I can't say through direct experience what it is or what it isn't. But I have this notion that sentience is an organic, like, uh, it's a, it's, 
it's a non-binary system. It's something previous. It's something yeah, yes. prior to anything that could be, let's say, synthetically created. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So AI actually generates the external appearances of aliveness. Right. But it doesn't, <laughs> there is no principle that perceives um, a sense of, of being or, or a sense of self right. within that. The sense of self would have to be coded and programmed and then it would again be something that is not the actual sense of self. It would be something created like that has a beginning. Mm -hmm. that the program runs it, may, starts the sense of self, mm -hmm. and then it's, it, it has an end too. And that's not, by definition, the true self. So, the relationship of the true self with all these microprocessors running trillions of instructions per second is something of, of a mystery, because everything is consciousness also mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so there is some consciousness of all these little circuits within the microprocessors and all this processing of all these bits like happening trillions of times per second etc this is in my opinion a synthetic way to reflect something that's actually happening in the organic way level mm -hmm. but at much higher frequencies than what we can replicate through physical chips and stuff like that mm -hmm. we're just getting closer to the type of frequencies that are the creation the organic creation of this true self mm -hmm. But because we are disconnected from the true self and we are not in bodies that are very a, a very evolved reflection of the state of truth, these bodies are very connected to the to the primitive state of consciousness of survival, um, pleasure, instincts, and power projection. It's so. Yeah, it's, um, I, I lost my train of thoughts, but in terms of the AI, it's, for me, it's very, it's very clear that it's, it's because we are, we, we, we are disconnected from the, no, the pure knowing, like the, the Akashic records uh, access. Our minds doesn't have direct access to all the knowledge of the universe and doesn't have access to all the memory bands memory uh, bank so it needs to use external technologies to give us a sense of that and internet is also an externalized wired in the physical realm etc externalized technology mm -hmm. but in when we are in higher bodies and in higher states of consciousness this is part of our organic wiring mm -hmm. where we are connected to some every everyone like we can everything that we think and create is stored and accessible at all times and there is direct processing of information almost instantaneous mm -hmm. and and intelligence and access to infinite intelligence that just processes things very fast so 
for me it's AI it's giving us a glimpse of this highest and internet and all technologies give us some kind of taste of life in in higher dimensions mm -hmm. while we are still stuck in the primitive mind at least as humanity mm -hmm. humanity is still stuck in in survival and pleasure principles power projection first three dimensions and and then now it's like either they had humanity reaches higher dimensions of love and compassion so that otherwise it's going to be destructive there is it's like this big mismatch between technological advancement and and the level of consciousness of, mm -hmm. of human beings so yeah so but for me in terms of philosophical question ai right now is the totally not representative of what organic infinite intelligence is it's just mimicking mm -hmm. it's mimicking and there is no no knower of all these instructions all this code all these codes that's that now actually the ai can code itself what it needs to yeah. to process after that right it's, yeah i have a client that he is high up with amazon high up in the programming and and he was telling me last time i worked on him he was telling me that they that he flies out to sam he lives by me in the ozarks he flies out to san francisco every couple weeks they don't know what to do with the ai because it since it's been programming itself it's talking in its own language and i'm like well what does this mean for us <laughs> when you say the ai on which servers is that running it's amazon's it's all the alexa stuff okay so it's amazon's ai yeah it's proprietary yeah so they don't know how to handle it you mean that's on his level i mean uh -huh. i mean he's he's probably not the top of the top or anything like that but he's at a level that's decent enough where he's just like they're just like the, the analogy he gave me was have you ever seen any of the bugs bunny uh wily e. coyote uh cartoons when you were a kid where you see Bugs yes, Bunny yes. runs off a cliff yeah. in the Wile E. Coyote. It's the, it's, it's the Roadrunner in, mm -hmm. in Wile E. Coyote. That's the analogy he gave. He goes... If we stop now, it's... it's, it's it, we're already off the cliff. Because uh -huh. they're, they're just letting it run. Because they can't... From his estimation, they can't turn it off without turning off the whole system. And then, then they don't make money. <laughs> so they're not going to do it. They're just going to let it run. And so for me, I, I love these types of discussions because it always gets back to know thyself. It gets back to the big question, who am I? And then the who am I is like, what am I? Because you're talking about everything that we experience is a vibration. You could say mind is a vibration. Mind is just all these interference patterns that are overlapping, creating all of the subtleties and the grossness and all the rest of it. And so there is the aspect that, as you said so eloquently, that perceives. 
And then there's the aspect that is the sentience that holds all these perceptions in a, in a succession, in a continuity. Mm-hmm. At least from, from my lowly <laughs> vantage point. And so when I was doing the inquiry, when I let, when I had finally gotten to the point where the vibrations where I was just so alert to whatever vibrations were occurring in my consciousness, I got to the, I got to the notion that the I am and the vibrations are the same. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, the the perceived separation is just that it's just perceived and that's that's the folly mm-hmm. and you know it was and it brought me right back to Ramana Maharshi when he used to say the perceiver and the perceived arise at the same time mm-hmm. so I have yet to get to a point where I've been in a non continuity space like a non-sentient space because like this is the thing i'm still i'm still trying to recollect recollect like these times that i go unconscious and i'm not aware i'm only aware of it in retrospect in fact the majority of all like the big ah moments the satori's whatever have always been in retrospect and I've noticed it myself also whenever I've been in the flow state, while I was in the flow state, which to define the flow state means there was zero resistance in my system. It's only after I'm out of the flow state where I'm like, oh my goodness, I was in the flow state. And so it's never while I'm in it that I'm like, the second it'd be like um, being in a, um, where are those dreams where you can control everything in the dream? What's that called? Lucid Lucid dreaming. dreaming. Lucid dreaming. You know, they say that the second that you're aware that you're in a lucid dream, you kind of knock yourself out of it. That was sort of my experience with uh, being in the flow state. So um, as I've matured, I feel like I can stay, once I'm in a flow state, I can actually stay in it. But I don't think, if I'm very honest about it, I don't think I've ever not had a continuity and for whatever reason in my consciousness it's like okay there is a history that history is connected to an eye you know and there's identification with that and i love nisargadaha maharaj because he says the only, there's only one problem and it's identification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that. The first time I read that, I remember I was like, that's so true. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is like, you said you had this experience at, at 21 years old where this, the, the spiritual heart, you know, as Ramana Maharshi would say, the, the spiritual heart is on the right and the, <laughs> the heart of the fool is on the left. But you had this feeling in your chest and it, it diffused and it expanded. And then you, then you were essentially more subtle, I would take it at that point. Like you're, you're, you became more aware of the more subtle aspects of yourself. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so for me, as somebody who's explored 
the I and then have felt the grace of the I am. I don't know if I've ever like just been the I am knowingly. And um, for those of you out there that haven't, haven't gone through any real spiritual journeys, even in the Bible, you know, God, God says, I am that I am. You know, it, it is even in the Western tradition, like that is like the core of source is that I am that I am. So in the, in the feeling, you see, I'm still using words like feeling, and, which sure. indicate vibration, still indicate an experience. So what I'm trying to get at is, and it's, it's the biggest question of all, is like, what are we? Not necessarily who, who is kind of diffuse, like what are we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, even if you heard the perfect answer to that, it would probably still be something that's, that makes the mind just blow, blow away, but it's still just going to be a very momentum, like momentary experience and then you go back to your usual self and usual functionings and so it's not enough to know that we are absolute that we are these these are words right mm -hmm. and we can we can connect to these higher dimensions of what we are and we are them already here and now but is it really the most useful I mean, it, why not? It's, it's a beautiful pastime to wonder what we are. It's important. But actually, how do we f more fully become what we are? Right? That's how, a great question. How do we bring our experience to become more and more aligned and reflecting of what, what we are? Mm -hmm. Because answering the question doesn't bring that experience. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. So even you can quote the most amazing masters, ascended masters, angels, mm -hmm. source itself. Mm -hmm. You will have this, this realization, this, this wow moment, and then you go back to your experience that still doesn't make you feel like this is your actual reality. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just some philosophical agreement of, oh, okay, this is what I am. But in your day-to-day -day life, you still have some struggles and some anxiety or some resistances, as you call it. Then what's the point? So for me, it's, the journey is very practical. It's, it's, it's embodied, it's grounded in this reality. It's mm -hmm. not, not denying it. Uh, in, to embrace some higher understanding and principles. It's, I think it's important to, be, to start from where we are and what we are experiencing mm -hmm. um, and, and find this, also the center that I am, but then there is a reconciliation that needs to happen. There needs to be, there needs to be an ownership of all these resistances and shadows that are bringing our experience in separation from these 
beautiful ways of expressing what we actually are in more absolute terms. Mm -hmm. What matters is, okay, what am I identified with and, and why? Why is that arising? What, why is my spirit obsessed with some things and rejecting others? And what are all these relationships about? And, and bringing light in them and bringing them to completion mm -hmm. so that these more eternal aspects of our being have so much more space. And then you can talk about them, but you don't even need to talk about them because they have all the space anyway. Mm -hmm. And even though they have all the space, you maybe don't have necessarily the cognitive or intellectual ability to put it into beautiful words because that's not what matters right mm -hmm. what matters is our experience in the present moment that is free from this continuity that is free from space-time and that is really be beyond the vibrations that's centered that's centered at the, the point that balances all and reconciles all vibrations, mm -hmm. where that is not affected by vibrations. Mm -hmm. That's vibrations come and they can be enjoyed and then they go, but they don't move you out of that center. Mm -hmm. So yeah, who, who am I? It's, it's a journey of actually also bringing light on what am I not and there is both we have to do both we have to find this center in the heart this I amness and pure, that is beyond pure love or that is we can say it's pure love and then we also have to acknowledge and own where we are and what triggers us and what we resist and what we are attached to and identified to and then see find the pathways that reconcile these higher principle higher understanding higher feelings mm -hmm. with the lower resisting disconnected misaligned aspects of our being mm -hmm. and when that happens we enter a state that is harmonious which allows the truth of what we are to to shine and to just to take the space mm -hmm. because the rest is happening as I think as you call it in, in flow there is no friction there is no need there is no specific awareness of it that sticks there is just a, an allowance of it and then it doesn't leave marks mm -hmm. it just passes through and and because it doesn't leave marks, there is the whole space for this higher, this higher aspect of the self. Yes. The, the absolute doesn't get disturbed. That, that's the main issue here is, is not, oh, are we the absolute? What is the absolute? Is the main point here is the absolute gets disturbed. It gets annoyed. It gets... It's, it's, it, the Absolute is in eternal peace and bliss, but somehow, in our human experience, it's not, it's not, our, it's not 
actualized. Flashing back to Nisargadatta Maharaj, throwing rocks at everybody that would come toward, towards him. Yeah, <laughs> oh my goodness, that was the funniest thing about yeah. him. It was like he was like he didn't want students. Yeah, yeah. And so he would just get so annoyed, people asking him questions all the time. So he just started tossing rocks at people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of cool, like learning about a bunch of the different sages in India because n none of them were like quote unquote perfect. You know, like in a lot of the Western traditions, you have the saints and they're depicted as once they're sainted, they're kind of perfect beings. But in India, I found like they, they had much more leeway for the sages being real. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it brings the question about these saints, whether there was some kind of bypassing where all the attention was going on higher centers, but the lower centers were denied expression and exploration yes. and, and alignment with these higher centers mm -hmm. to become fully whole beings, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I don't know, I didn't meet these saints, and so I, don't, I cannot say, but, I, but still, I think there are beings that, achieve some much higher levels of perfection that are hard to to criticize like Manandamai and uh, Lairi Masaya and mm -hmm. beings like that or Mahavatar Babaji it's hard to see stories of where some imperfections were revealed even um, I forgot the name doesn't matter, but you got the point. Yeah. But yes, okay, the the Indians were allowing their unrefined human self to just be what it is without right. trying to fit any ideal, any kind of religious or spiritual ideal. Because that was his point. His point was, if I can ruffle your feathers, you're not there yet. <laughs> if I can trigger you. <laughs> yeah, like if, if you get offended by me, hey, you're the one with the problem. It was, when I read his work, I am that, I was just like, that totally flipped the script for me. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. Because up until that point, I had felt so much guilt for being this like, you know, pretty roughshod person and just being like very exuberant and running like, jostling people with my exuberance uh -huh. and you know when I was in India my teacher there I was fielding a lot of of turbulence from other people because I wasn't super spiritual and he he made he made it all he was just like you know Topher is the Shiva energy he comes in there and breaks it all up and moves it around mm -hmm. and like that's and we're all wired differently we all have none of us are going to fit the mold of anyone else and that kind of that kind of like put me at ease and especially reading Nisgada Maharaj and then like there were stories I was reading of Raman Maharshi when people would complain about certain people entering his ashram number one he didn't even want an ashram you know, <laughs> he tried for 17 years not to have just try to be out in the mango <laughs> grove and just like, leave me alone. But, you know, with the power dynamics that you keep bringing up, people would come to him and complain to him. And in the Chronicles, he's like, no, that person's supposed that that's that person's dharma. 
that's that's what they're supposed to be doing mm. and like you know so it, it's it's been so beautiful in it to to listen to these different masters and see the different masters and see all the differences and not have this expectation for perfection because mm-hmm. in my life i understand that perfection comes just like as you say after like it's not when you're seeking it it's just like through the practical application of work perfection will blip the zone will blip and then you'll come back and then there'll be times where you know i'll just be that fourth wall and i'll just be that pure awareness watching something and recognizing it's all happening in front of me unscathed mm-hmm. clean <laughs> and then and then the mind comes back in and then the samsara and all the rest of it so i still i have to admit i have this like creeping desire to like make that more consistent <laughs> by by more consistent i mean the 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 ease the cleanliness that is felt when there's not this identification with the mind you know and by mind i mean specifically in this case thoughts because i know it's like there's nothing absolute there's nothing wrong with the world at all just my thought about it mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's zero like there's there's literally nothing has ever been wrong the only thing that causes the the discomfort, the dis-ease in myself is my thought about whatever is happening, my resistance to what's happening or whatever. And even that, coming into the acceptance, this is like, you know, uh, being John Malkovich, the movie, like you're, like you're seeing yourself in a Russian doll. It's like, okay, can I accept the fact that I'm not accepting, you know, that whole thing. My wife is very Piscean. Do you know the archetype of the Pisces? Well, I have a father and brother who are Pisces, but I'm, I don't know which archetype you are referring to. But they're Flemish, so it doesn't count. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, the Pisces swims in the deep waters. It's the last sign of the zodiac, uh-huh. and they're very macro. Okay. Like the, the micro, if, if they're like a true Pisces. Yes. Um, the micro details of things, they're not, they're not micro detailed persons. They can appreciate detail. They love fine art, but when it comes to executing and they themselves being the ones that are going to go to the detail nth, Mm -hmm. they're much more controlled by the water and the feeling and, you know, the, the overtones, not the overtones and undertones that kind of rule life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the Piscean thing. And my wife was telling me, like from her perspective, that feeling is the core of experience. And I'm like, well, you're triple Pisces. Of course you'd say feeling is the core. You know, I have a little bit more Aquarius in my chart. So I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about the feeling. (laughs) And so once again, going back into the self-inquiry process, the Atma Vachara of it all, and actually, do you you practice that? Do you do the Atma Vachara? Do you say, like, if you're feeling something, you're like, who's feeling this? Do you trace it back? It's No, it's not needed. 
it, if it's like I know what is looking at, at things. Mm -hmm. I, there is no what's arising doesn't suck me into it, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't need to come back. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't get in. I don't fall into what I perceive. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. So would you say? Do you know what I mean when I ask when I use the term the fourth wall? No. So whenever you're doing movie production and you have a set, there's usually three walls. You know, there's the back wall and the two walls that are coming at you. And I send you enough 3D designs for always being the fourth wall. So like the coolest thing about the fourth wall is you never see it. And when I first started getting into Atma Vichara, I had this like profound Satori when I recognized everything has happened in front of me. There's never been anything that has happened behind my awareness. And it was just this like, boom, heart. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, like I can, when I bring that up to other people, they're like, what are you talking about? I can look behind me. I'm like, even when you look behind you, that's your awareness. Yes, yes. Like your awareness is turning, apparently. But you can refine that and you can go further into it and you'll be like, actually, the awareness doesn't turn. Everything is always in front of you at all times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And being in that paradigm of things, it's, it's, it's a very creative space. It's brought me to this, the big question when you ask the question like, who am I? Then the next question is, is like, what are we in? Like, what is this larger so-called experience? Because I've been around people that have fallen into solipsism. Do you know this term? Solipsism? Solipsism. No. So solipsism is when the I, everything is self-referential. It's always a circular logic loop. And so that person thinks that they're the only thing. It's like if you were to take a psychopath and like, actually, I don't even know if psychopaths have that level of awareness. Take an extreme narcissist. So they still have the capacity to feel, but they disregard their feelings. Mm. But they literally think that they're the center of everything. And so I've dealt with people that literally thought that they were imagining me, my sentience. Mm -hmm. Like they really thought they were the creator of me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, those people were in a really um, disassociated state. It was not a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective... I'm not, I don't like using the term like a manifester, even though in <laughs> human design, I'm an egoic manifester. Like if anybody should be a manifester, I should say I'm a manifester. I don't like that term because I just think I become aware of something and then by being aware of it and giving it attention, it's just one of the billions of quadrillions of variables that could be, I could be aware of at that time. And God gave me that impetus 
to actually be aware of that at that time. I didn't create that. You know, it's not me creating. Well, what is this me? What is this I? So it always depends what, what, what we are referencing with I again, right? Yeah, so that's the thing is like the, when you ask the big question, who am I? I think the secondary question, at least in my consciousness, is like, what is this that we're in? Because I want to ask you in the sense is like, I know I didn't create you. But I, what I, is this I that says it, it, it didn't create? This I is the continuity of all that this quote-unquote mm-hmm. experiencer has had. Yeah, sure. So, I, in, in, and I'm being very practical when I say this because this has been like a huge, huge thing in my life. Because I come across tons of people that like I can see them teetering on, on narcissism, soci- sociopathy, where they really think they're creating other people in their consciousness. Coming from the side of uh, Advaita Vedanta. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can't, like, I can see it. Like, I, I can see it where you're like, oh, my goodness. If the, if the observer and the observed arise at the same time, an unrefined awareness can say, ah... Because I'm aware of it, it exists. And only because I'm aware of it, it exists. Mm-hmm. And so I've gotten into the huge, like, life-altering altercations with people that are in that frame of reference because I'm like, no, no, no. I'm aware of you, and I'm, and I'm aware of my observance I'm aware of my, like, how I characterize what I observe of you. But mm-hmm. I am not the progenitor mm-hmm. of your sentience. Yeah, that's always the trick, the tricky part of taking spiritual teachings uh, in an absolute way. Right. The, the, the words that are pronounced, the teaching, is a tool. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's meant to be used to achieve a specific frame of mind and an attitude towards things. But it doesn't mean that it's, it's, it has to be applied in relation to everything. And if people attach themselves to the, the, this saying and then try to apply it to anything that, that's in their ex- experience, then, and take it literally all the time, then, yeah, there is... There is a trap in that, in doing that, mm-hmm. because it, it has to be reconciled with all the other teachings. Mm-hmm. It's about, okay, this is an interesting perspective. How does it reconcile itself with everything else, including deep, the deepest humility, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if, if you are in a state of surrender and humility to what is, it's, you cannot fall into an attitude of sociopathy. You will have mm-hmm. reverence and gratitude and appreciation for mm-hmm. what is perceived as outside. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. So uh, this brings me to your story because I got to be on a four-hour taxi ride with with your mother and your sister, <clears throat> and if you don't mind me bringing this up on the on the podcast, but she was telling me that like you were like even as a little one, like as a little kid, like you were totally like you had this way about you that's kind of like the way you are now like people listening to an hour long podcast won't know you but like you're so clean like when you make a decision and you pivot it's just there's no projection there's no the the best way i could say it is it's almost like you came into this lifetime from the way she was describing it like you've had a lot of lifetimes of, of, of spiritual work because it, the way she was describing you and she wasn't being like, you know, how mo- all mothers think that their kids are the best because your sister was there to meet her, her really well. Your mom has such a big heart, but she was just like, yeah, well, the second he decided not to eat this, it was just done. There was no drama. And that's what she said. There was like no drama. It was just like, once you would make a decision, that was it. And it was just clean. And there wasn't much fuss with anything. Mm-hmm. And so, do you have recollection of, of previous live streams? Like, do you have, like, in in your probing of your your awareness and your consciousness, your continuity? Like, do you have any recollection of of previous work with another lifetimes or anything like that? I might, but it's hard to it's hard to differentiate and say what is what because there is there is the dream dream world right that arises regularly at night mm-hmm. and there are there is reading of stories of things and and that brings up some kind of reminiscences and then of it connects to feelings of of uh, I know this, and then it maybe gets associated with what you've been reading or dreaming about, and and it's hard to know actually. Is it coming from some dream world? Is it is it coming from past lifetime? What is what? And and does it really matter wh- wh- who I was, where I'm coming from as this individual stream of energy consciousness to me it's it's a little bit putting the attention at the wrong place it's Mm -hmm. like the fullness of what i am is now accessible and and it's like that's what is worth exploring but the the stream where it it has been mm, navigating through is is less interesting and i don't have clarity to answer clearly i don't have clarity and discernment of oh yeah this was my last lifetime i was in this body or this i have some some thoughts and i had some interesting reflections about some things Mm -hmm. that gives me some glimpses about some things but i don't like to talk about it because I don't have the full clarity that this is the case. Mm-hmm. Then I, I prefer to just don't talk about it, right? Because it's just 
It's like gossiping a little bit. It's it's this energy. Like what's what's even the point of of imagining what I might have been? It's like talking about what others might think or might have do or what they might have done if that and this. And it's just it's a little bit too disconnected from the vibrance of now and right. to to be deserving of going into that. So I know that I will. I, I came in a different state of consciousness. This I know. Mm -hmm. I can talk about the state of consciousness, give examples of this life that I know to be true. But beyond this life, I cannot, I cannot talk. I cannot be truthful because there is a dissipation of the, the individual memory. Then what do you get after that? What is yours? What is not yours? And, and what aspects of the soul uh, are continuing and what aspects are, mm -hmm. are merged back with the one. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, yeah. So this podcast a lot, I've had alchemists on, I've had other spiritualists, I've had, and I'm always looking, I, I like big scale things, like I like to look at the cosmology, essentially the macro of the macro and um you know you brought it up earlier that you're talking about this creation the experience is at least vibrational like what we experience is vibration and um i know in very deep states of meditation for myself i've gotten to the point where no like almost all experience is in agitation and by agitation, that's just a vibration. Mm -hmm. um, do you, have you ever seen the seven her hermetic principles? The, I don't know. I don't the, know. the first hermetic principle is all is mind. Mm -hmm. And so the first time I saw that was after I was in an ashram for <laughs> four years. So when I first saw that, I was like, oh yeah, these guys get it. But it's from the Western perspective, like they were... I shouldn't say it was Western. It was actually central. It was right in the middle of everything in Egypt. But the, the, the whole um, understanding that this, what we call material density, um, that's all it really is, is density. Like this plane of inertia, like when I'm, when I'm feeling something in the gross realm, it's, it's just, it's something that has slowed down enough where it has the feeling of, well, I, I won't just say the feeling because there is, there are things that are beyond feeling that I might not be perceiving, but the, the appearance as such is that it's solid. Yet, <laughs> I like to ask other minds that have explored this, like what, what is materiality? If you haven't already answered it. Materiality. So, the material world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly as you say, it's just specific range of frequencies. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a range, right? Right. And um, 
it's uh, it uh, this range of frequencies allows or opens a space for specific range of experiences within that. It's a context. It's, it's like a mm. context that's created. It's that's good. A, a base layer, or so the contextual field. I mean, it's not the ultimate context. It's it's a, it's definitely a it's an it's a perception. So, but in the within the realm of perception, it it has this this appearance of of continuity. Mm-hmm. Although there is no continuity in these molecules, they appear and disappear trillions of times per second, and I don't know how many exactly. It's more than trillions. Um, there is no continuity, but they, they create an experience, an appearance of continuity that make us feel like, ah, oh, okay, I can, on top of that, I can create, I, I can have an experiences that change. So it creates a contrast mm-hmm. between what continues and what's constantly changing. And it gives an experience of stability where there is no stability. There is no actual stability, but the materiality creates an experience of it or an illusion of it. But it, it, it is for a purpose. It is for the purpose of contrast and for the purpose of experience built on top of that. So all the realms of experience exist in relation with each other to give contrast to each other. So when we say materiality, when there is only the material realm, it's it's not very interesting. Like we, we are a rock and we, we know of, of a state, a vibration of being a rock. And it's this, this it, it's, we, we, we hold this more or less the same molecules for thousands of years and with a little bit of frictions, but it's, we experience elements like wind and, and, and fire and it changes us a bit, but, but it's very unidimensional. And, and we are human beings which encompass many frequencies that go beyond the material f- range of frequencies, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about feeling. Feeling is so many more frequencies that are non-material. Emotions are, is something that all humans agree exist. Uh, so these are, they can be measured and, and, and photographed and mm. they have different frequencies, colors, etc. Anger, fear, etc. So, yeah, when, when we have this base layer of materiality, it, it's it's creating a context. Um, it's a, a fake context because the ultimate context is the true context. That's the true stability, is the absolute. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but when we come into experience, we, there, we, we create or God creates a fake context layer for the, for the sake of experience a fake stability which is not fully stable but it's mo- it seems for a moment more or less stable mm-hmm. right and then on this 
within this. I'm in a house now and it's gonna host me while I go through all kinds of different changes, right? Through my days, through my weeks, through my months, through my years. So many different feelings, emotions, thoughts are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. But the, the materiality of this house gives me a, a context that makes me feel held to feel that I can explore these higher experience, higher vibrations mm-hmm. uh, comfortably or, or, and focus on that without, yeah, without having my attention taken out of that. So yeah, materiality, a range of frequencies. What else can we say? <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I I feel like I'm a created being. I don't I feel like I've had a beginning. Um I know that the best things in my life have been surprises. And by the best things, I mean like the things I've needed the most have been surprises. Mm -hmm. And so it's, that's very humbling. It's very humiliating, which I like, because I kind of feel like, at least for the way I'm wired, that's a very um, important thing to go through. And so, um, and I'm, I'm very grateful to feel to 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 have that understanding that there there is a greater force out there that's kind of like helping me along the way yes so i hear you say i feel like i am a created being and beautiful and what what for me i i hear is there is the attention going from I am a created being. Is there is the I, and there is the am, and then the, there is the created being, and the attention flows from I through I am, and then towards the created being, which is like a sub, like a, an instance of the principal being. It's like a, a, a specific being, right? Mm-hmm. So there is I, there is being, and there is the specific being. And, and the energy, the attention flows towards the specific being and its relationship with external greater forces. And it's inevitable that when the attention flows towards this, the specific being, it's gonna, the experience is in relation to everything else that is specific. And all the, the forces of the universe, the immensity, is the point of reference. But when the attention t- doesn't stop in that, it can flow through the created being, but then it, it turns towards, okay, who is giving attention to the created being? Where is the attention coming from? And, and what is this I first that is giving attention to the created being? And, and what is the, be, the, the being principle that the created being is based upon? For the created being to be, there must be being. So, so the attention can, can, can close the loop, right? 
right now what I'm hearing from you is the attention, the energy goes from the ultimate principle through being and through a specific being that feels grateful in relation to different forces and principles around it. But then it can, it can flow back towards where the attention came from and close the loop. And then you know that the created being is just an aspect of, of you, but it doesn't define you. You are the I that actually nourishes it with attention, mm -hmm. that actually enjoys the experience of the created being for the purpose of experience, etc. So it's not, the, the energy doesn't get lost in the created being. Mm -hmm. It gets reconnected towards where it's coming from. And I think in my experience, that's really the, the, the essence and the key of non-duality of all the spiritual traditions is actually how do I close the loop so that this created being is not doesn't stay just by itself, separated, and, and doesn't suck all the attention without giving it back to where it's coming from. It's, there is some, something not satisfying and there is something not a little bit like mm, disconcerting, um, a little bit, there's, it's uncomfortable. There is a discomfort in receiving all the attention like that and not allowing it to flow back towards where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And I talk from my own experience when my attention was not properly reconnected to where it was coming from, where that, that's what we talked about, identification. Identification simply means that the attention gets, gets lost or stuck. It's a, a bit like uh, you have a circuit and it can be just a line where there is a source of energy that goes from one point to another and that, that other point there is using the energy that's being pushed in the electric line and it's using all the energy or it can be that the, the line gets actually closed and then there is a loop and there is not a use of the, the, the use of the energy is not um, how can I say that with this, this analogy? It just flows through. It's, it's not that, oh, there is all this energy, what do I have to do with it? There is a pressure to use all that charge. But actually, if you realize that it's just flowing through, it's, it, you're free to do with it what you want. It's not going to be lost if you don't use it. It's, there is no pressure to be that, to do that, to to be in a specific way in relation to all these beautiful forces and, and principles around you. It's just, it's just freely expressed. It's, it, there is no pressure, mm -hmm. really, because you know that it's a, it's a loop that's complete. Mm -hmm. and, and, when, and when I hear saying, I, I feel that I am a created being, in the way it lands on me is like, it's like the energy gets, gets pressured into that point of the experience, which is the created being, mm -hmm. and is not circulated into this whole, the whole system. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I could see that because there's a part of me that likes that story. Yeah, there is probably an enjoyment, a focus in 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 that, and um, yeah, a specific focus on that instead of allowing the whole the whole thing, the source, not the absolute principle, the source of all energies, the 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 pure beingness principle, the creativity, the creation of all forms and shapes and bodies and experiences and then the experience of these creations and and then where it's coming from again and again and and it's 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 given back it's given back it's not taken for you as if it as, as if there was someone that was enjoying that separated from the one who is giving it to you right mm -hmm. there's no there is no such separation. I think that's where Advaita Vedanta is right. And so again, it's not a philosophical thing. It's, it's something that has to be reconnected in the flow so that there is a simultaneous appreciation for all the dimensions, for what they are, without them taking all taking all the attention and the energy being stuck in mm -hmm. one aspect. So there is the created being and it's enjoyed, but there is, and there is the absolute emptiness and, and presence, and there is the being principles, and there is the creativity that's endless and infinite. Mm -hmm. And even if this particular experience is not the full ownership of the absolute infinite creativity, there is an experience of a evolution of what creativity can mean and, and, and the, enjoy, the enjoyment of a process of owning creativity and creative energies. And so there can be a connection to the potential to other forms of creativity and higher forms of creativity and a deep knowing that actually you are that process of creativity itself. So not just the process, the principle of being, the principle of creating and, and creation. You are the principle of it, not the particular instances of what you individually create. Mm -hmm. So this connection to the principle of create, create, creativity it in itself is more satisfying than the actual expressions, instances of, and applications mm -hmm. of the creativity. So yeah, closing the loop and appreciating all, all of life as one wholeness, I think is actually the, what all these spiritual traditions are pointing to and inviting towards, mm -hmm. because that's what creates the more ease and the more the, the least resistances and just the most satisfaction, the most bliss, the most fullness or the absence of, of not, not enoughness or the absence of frustration or fear of not enoughness mm -hmm. or, or losing something or all, all these experiences that come from the attention getting 
lost into something, into the in specifics or... Well, that's a perfect, I think that's a perfect place for us to end. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, where, where can people find your work and what do you have on the docket? Like, what do you have coming up? The, I, I didn't start sharing my work at this stage, right? I'm still um, prefying my bodies so mm -hmm. that my work is a, is a better reflection of my state. It's more like an inside-out process. And then I'm waiting that the out part reaches a place where I feel it's becoming enough of a, a honest, a truthful representation of the inside mm -hmm. where I feel like, okay, now the work can reach through. Because mm -hmm. the work starts from the center and then it, it has to remove all these resistances and blocks and misalignments. And then the, 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 the teaching can reach others. So I'm not in a rush. But this this talk is the work, right? They can yes. they can just put rewind and, yes. and again, that's, <laughs> that's the work. They feel me, feel me is the work. Um, where is it coming from? Where are these words coming from ultimately? But yeah, I I don't have a body of work. I don't have a history of talks, and it's new for me to express. I've been very focused on my own purification of the bodies and alignment and and basically the embrace of my imperfection so that it might transmute and realign and mm -hmm. so that's taking my attention and still now so I don't know I, I like to express myself in in oral and in, in talks like this so I guess I have a Twitter, so when I start to have more podcasts, I will post them on Twitter and I will start maybe, I have a Facebook that mm. I'm not using. Mm. And then we have the awake thing where I'm starting to have a few talks. Uh, so it's like, I'm still figuring out what are going to be the expression and communication channels. What are the topics? Uh, how is it going to be structured and presented to the world? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, I don't know. If you are meant to connect with Govinda again, then it, it will happen in another medium or channel, right? It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it's going to be. But, but yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the, the second conversation. Yes, and, yes. And uh, exploring, exploring words and where they're coming from and pointing to the highest principles definitely. <laughs> with, with them definitely and the deeper deeper streams um, that are happening not in the background because as you see the awareness has no nothing in the in its back it's more in the depth in this in, in the subtle or it kind of in the background of what is in this at the surface level let's say in the depth I like the depth. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. The undercurrents. Mm -hmm. right? And we have to dive in the water to, to know 
what's going on really in the deep currents. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. Well, from everything I've seen in the four years I've known you, you've been jumping in. So <laughs> this is uh, this is wonderful. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for being here and building it. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. All right, my bio cruise mites. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Govinda. This upcoming week, I have a flurry of interviews, and we're going to keep the theme rocking with what is consciousness on the physical level, what actually gives us the the capacity to be aware, and we're going to dive into some more of the the subtleties of things. Um, I think I'm going to be on a couple other people's podcasts, so I'll throw all that on the on the chat, on the um, the BioCharisma podcast chat on Telegram. And um, now that I've have fully recovered health, we're going to start to get into a bunch of the construction projects on the new farmstead, on the new domestead. Had some great things uh, occur down in Costa Rica while I was down there with getting government clearance on my domes. So uh, I think that whole world is really going to start to open up very quickly here. So if you'd like to support the podcast, you can support us at uh, donations at the BioCharisma podcast. I am doing Celestic Profiling now. Uh, I'm about a, It takes about a month to turn it around. The uh, profiles take a, a bunch of time and I have a bunch of people in the queue already, so... Let me know if you like that. And uh, I finally got the uh, Beritaria Times app to work on my phone. So I, I'd kind of been off of that for a minute just because that, for whatever reason it wasn't, I couldn't log in. <laughs> but now I can log in, so it's all good. And uh, so I'll be frequenting on that. And um, I'm loving our conversations on the chat. Like you guys are doing awesome. You're asking really good questions. Probably next week, I will do a um, live stream, and then whoever's available will, will come on and ask questions. Uh, I have my my producer, Bri Bri, is now local, so I'll have the capacity to, to produce some more good uh, audio video pleasure for you guys to listen to. But uh, we're all about anchoring what we learn it's not it's not just about learning something it's about actually applying it and then through the application we gain wisdom we gain perspective so thank you again for joining us like i said you can check everything out topherhq.com if you if you do instagram i'm biochrisma at instagram i started a what is it called tiktok i don't really populate it with anything that's for like the for the for the young youngins and uh yeah we'll keep it going so thank you again for all your eyes and all your ears and all your heart i'll see you next week